Welcome back to Parker Keen's MMA show. This is episode 10. We got a lot to talk about this week in this week's episode. We're going to look back on last week's fights, UFC Boston, talk about the drama going on with Nate Diaz surrounding UFC 244, and the notorious Conor McGregor. Here we go. Announces his comeback. Let's get it. Crazy, crazy week going on. Crazy week going on. We had some really, really bad storms here in Dallas, so I'm a little late getting this episode out, but nonetheless, let's get into it. Um, last week, we had UFC Boston. Um, I want to talk about some of the the bigger fights on this card, and then we'll dive into all the craziness that's going on in the MMA world this week, but I want to start with... Um, Chris Weidman taking on Dominic Reyes. We talked about this last week. This was going to be a huge fight with huge implications in the UFC light heavyweight division. Um, I took Chris Weidman in this fight. Obviously, I was way off and slept on Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes knocked out Chris Weidman early in the first round and really made a big statement. Um, For... For Dominic Reyes, and this is a huge stoppage, obviously Chris Weidman's a big name, was former middleweight champion, and man, Reyes made it look easy. Um, so yeah, Dominic Reyes, I mean, 12-0, 6-0 in the UFC, he's gotten better every single fight. Um, I still think it's probably just a little bit early for him to take on John Jones, I, I, I'm going to be interested to see what goes on next weekend. I know Corey Anderson and Johnny Walker are fighting. That's another big fight in the light heavyweight division. So I think for John, I, I think he's going to kind of just wait it out, let these guys kind of all fight, see what goes down. Um, I, I still think that John Jones is going to make a move up to heavyweight before he takes on any of these guys at light heavyweight, just because I think there's bigger fights up there for him. But for Dominic Reyes, a very impressive, knocked off a veteran, big name. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to get the John Jones fight next. There's still, there's a lot of young guys at light heavyweight. And I think those guys are going to kind of fight each other and until someone emerges as the clear-cut winner, you know, clear-cut next fight for John Jones, I, I don't think he's going to fight, you know, Dom Reyes right away. I could see him taking on maybe Anthony Smith. If Anthony Smith wants to come back or if Gustafson wants to come back, that's a fun fight. Um, You know, so that's kind of what I think about that fight. Um, For Chris Weidman, you know, he says he's not going to retire, but, man, that looked really bad. He took, you know, a good right hand from Reyes, but, I mean, he would put him down straight away, and then he did, you know, little to nothing to defend any of those ground strikes. Um, you know, maybe a similar case is kind of what's going on with Luke Rockhold. Those guys took a lot of damage, you know, over their reigns at, at middleweight. They had a lot of tough fights, a lot of wars, and, 
you know, it could be at the end of the run. Both of those guys are getting older. Um, moving up to light heavyweight is not easy, especially, especially with these animals. You know, Alexander Rakich, Johnny Walker, uh, Jan Blahovich, Dom Reyes, Corey Anderson. I mean, these guys are all young, hungry. And they're looking to take out a veteran, take out a guy with a huge name. And, and that's what's happened to both of those guys. Um, you know, Luke Rockhold got viciously knocked out by Jan Blahovich. And then Weidman gets viciously knocked out by Dominic Reyes. So, um, yeah, I don't really see a, a next fight for Weidman. You know, I guess he can move back down to middleweight or fight someone up at light heavyweight. But, I mean, like I said, all these guys, these young, hungry guys, they're just looking to make a name off of these veterans. So it's a hard spot for those guys. Um, so that was a good fight. I I was betting on these fights. I was doing pretty good until the main event and co-main event. I took Weidman and Jeremy Stevens. So, yeah, not, not a great night betting for me. But on to the next fight, the uh, co-main event. We had Yaya Rodriguez taking on Jeremy Stevens. Um, I had Jeremy Stevens in this just because, you know, I thought he was a veteran. He has fought everyone. We went through his his record his record and his resume last week. He had fought everyone, seen everything, and I thought um, based on everything that went down on the Mexico City card, I thought Jeremy Stevens was just going to go in there and you know be aggressive and look for that vicious knockout. But Yair was able to just control him. Um, You know, Yair looked, in the first round, I thought he looked great. He looked, you know, like he was just a step ahead of Jeremy the whole fight. Um, And then he he hurt him really, really bad. I believe it was the second round, and he wasn't able to put him away. Um, Jeremy's just, I mean, he's tough as shit. So, you know, Yair handedly won the first and the second round and I thought Jeremy came out and put on a good fight in the third round but just wasn't enough to beat Yair. Yair's on another level with his striking. It's just so unpredictable and he can hit you from so many angles. He's just he's going to be a tough fight at featherweight. Um, you know I think he'll probably end up being the the next fight for the winner Volkanovski and Max Holloway. Um you know, Yair versus Max Holloway, that's a very, very interesting fight. So that, that's something I'll be looking forward to. But um, Yair looked really good. Um, he, he walks away with a 29-28 unanimous decision across the board. Um, yeah, I think that was pretty generous with the judges. I, he looked, you know, to be in control the whole time. So huge win for Yair Rodriguez in that featherweight division. Um, like we said last week, that's really his first big test, and, and he looked fucking phenomenal. He looked really, really good. So I was really impressed there with Yaya Rodriguez. Um, Greg Hardy. So Greg Hardy took on this guy named Ben Sosely. Ben Sosely looked a little bit like the Australian version of Roy Nelson, just kind of big, fat guy, but tough as hell. Um, he took a lot of big shots from Greg Hardy. Yeah, Ben Sosely, the Combat Wombat, one of the greatest nicknames in the heavyweight division. But, um, yeah, Hardy, you know, looked good. This was his first real fight that went past the first round, I believe. I think 
the rest of his fights have all ended in the first round with knockouts. So um, good test for Greg Hardy. This guy took him three three rounds, you know, hard rounds. Um, you know, Greg Hardy, I think, was able to just get it done on straight athleticism. Um, you know, his striking looks better. He was throwing some really, really hard leg kicks. Um, you know, overall, he, he looked pretty good. He, of course, had that controversy where he used his inhaler, I believe it was during the second round. Yeah, between the second and the third round, he asked the commission if he could use his inhaler, and he goes, uh, is, was it approved? And Greg Hardy goes, yeah, USADA approved. So they let him use his inhaler, which is, a, I mean, a huge no-no. Um, so caused a little bit of controversy. You know, I, I think a lot of people were ragging Greg Hardy, but it's not his fault. To me, it was that needs to fall on his coach, which is Den Thomas, which is a veteran coach, you know, veteran fighter. He's been around forever. I think he should know better that, no, you can't use an inhaler in between rounds. And then the commis- commission in Boston, I mean, whoever that representative was, is, I mean, he definitely had his head up his ass. You, you got to know that you can't use your inhaler. <laughs> so, um, you know, Greg Hardy gets gets the fight overturned from a unanimous decision to a no contest, which I think was kind of weird. It, to me, it wasn't his fault. Um, that falls on the commission. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with that. But Greg Hardy turns around and gets another fight against um, Alexander Volkov, which that's a huge, huge fight for Greg Hardy. I think a lot of people were kind of talking shit about you know, the level of competition that he's fought. And, you know, he hasn't fought a lot of big names, but this is this is going to be a huge test. Um, so, JDS, something happened with him. He was scheduled to fight Alexander Volkov in the main event in Moscow. And he falls out with what I believe was staph infection. So, yeah, bacterial infection that basically forced him to withdraw from the card. And Greg Hardy turns around, takes the fight, and kind of, you know, just blows away all the controversy from the Boston card with a huge, huge opportunity to step in on short notice against Alexander Volkov, who's, you know, an elite, elite heavyweight. Um, But this is a big test for Greg Hardy. So I'm interested to see how this will all shake out. Um. Yeah, this is a big, big moment for Greg Hardy. He can kind of turn around, right the wrong of that, you know, controversial ending there in Boston. If he's able to get a big knockout against Alexander Volkov, I mean, that's going to skyrocket him in the rankings and set him up for huge, huge fights. So, yeah, I mean, kind of unlucky for Greg Hardy with the whole inhaler gate thing, but. I mean, turns around, gets himself a huge fight. So, good for Greg Hardy. Um, that'll be interesting. So, that's a week after the uh, bad motherfucker belt, which we'll talk about later, which is kind of in jeopardy right now. So, yeah, Greg Hardy. I thought he looked good. Um, let's see, who else fought on that card? Alrighty. Uh, next, I want to talk about a fight I did win some money on. Uh, Joe Lozon taking on JSP. Uh, JSP, Jonathan Pierce, was a 
he's a young up and coming fighter. I think he's that was his UFC debut. He won a fight in the Dana White Contender Series. Um, Joe Lozon, obviously a legend, been around forever, fighting in front of his hometown of Boston. Um, second most UFC fight bonuses in history behind Nate Diaz. Joe Lozon gets a huge, huge welcome from the crowd and gets a devastating knockout. Um, you know, was looking really good, put really good combos together. So, yeah, Joe Lozon with a huge win in front of his hometown, gets his 15th UFC win, kind of an emotional speech afterwards, did not retire, um, and then afterwards really didn't commit to retiring either. Um, I think everyone was kind of expecting him to maybe drop the gloves and retire in front of his hometown, but he didn't. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a hard thing for a fighter, especially someone like Joe Lozon, who's an action fighter. He's been around forever. He's a fan favorite. You know, you come off a huge, devastating knockout win in front of your home crowd. Um, you know, you think you can do it again and again. And, you know, this JSP kid was a, you know, he was favored in the fight. He was, had a big win on the Dana White Contender Series. He's an up and coming fighter. And Joe Lozon just, you know, put him away and made it look relatively easy. So, um, yeah, good on Joe Lozon. He looked really, really good. So we'll see kind of what's next for him. Um, oh, Macy Barber. So Macy Barber taking on Jillian Roberts, a, another one I won some cash on. Macy Roberts getting a first-round finish. Um, she looked really, really good, Macy Barber. I, I think I talked about this last week, but... I think she has the potential to be a huge star in in the UFC. She's got, you know, all the skills. She's good on the mic. She's a good-looking girl. Um, she's young. You know, she's 21 years old. Her goal is to be the youngest UFC champion ever. You know, and she's still got time. She's got, you know, basically two years. I think John Jones was a UFC champion when he was 23 years old. So, something, um, it's definitely doable, you know, especially... At 115 or 125, I think she can get in there and mix it up. And she's probably, you know, two or three fights away from taking on a Joanna at 115. You know, Joanna or Weiling Zing. Or, you know, if she wants to move up to 125 with uh, Valentina Shevchenko, I think that's probably the harder fight. But uh, she's confident. You know, she's got swagger. She's Dana White's behind her. He said he fucking loves this girl. See if I can read uh, Dana White's comments about her. Yeah, Dana says, I love this girl. She's a gangster. I love everything about her. Um, yeah, he loves her attitude. You know, she wants to be a star. She wants to be a world champion. She goes in there. She finishes fights. Um, you know, I think that's what you need to become a huge star in these in the women division. Um, if you're going to go in there, finish fights, put girls away, talk a lot of shit, I mean, that's awesome. A lot of people are kind of comparing her to Ronda Rousey. You know, I think she's she's different than Ronda Rousey. Obviously, Ronda Rousey had, you know, got famous for going in there and finishing everyone with arm bars in the first round. Um, this girl goes in there and puts on a striking clinic. You know, she throws heavy, heavy hands and tries to put girls away. So... I, I think if she keeps doing what she's doing, she's going to be a huge star. Um, she's calling out Paige Van Zant, which I think that's no-brainer. Uh, that's the fight to make. 
Um, her and Paige Van Zandt. Paige Van Zandt's a, you know, a big star. She's been out of the game for a while. Um, you know, that's a hard fight to come back to. Macy Barber for Paige Van Zandt. But if the UFC makes it, that's a big fight. I could see that headlining a fight night or something like that. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Macy Barber. But like I said, I think she's, you know, one, you know, one to two fights away from a title shot at either division. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, where she chases fights, what division. Um, I think more realistic, you know, for her to get in the strawweight division right now, you know, her against, you know, Joanna or Rose or Weiling Zhang. Those are all fun fights. So, yeah, young girl, a lot of potential. Um, everyone stay on the lookout for Macy Barber. I think she's going to be a yeah, huge talent. Okay, uh, so that pretty much wraps up UFC Boston. UFC Boston was a fun card. You know, a lot of stuff went on there. Um, but those were kind of the highlights of it. Um, over the weekend, we also had Gabriel Gonzaga taking on Bigfoot Silva at Bare Knuckle FC number 8. Um, Gabriel Gonzaga gets a knockout in the second round, I believe. I didn't watch this fight, but I saw the highlights. Um, pretty, pretty vicious knockouts with this bare knuckle stuff. I, you know, the bare knuckle stuff, I think that's, it's going to be fun to see what happens with that. Um, you see a lot of these kind of older fighters that are kind of making their way out of, the UFC are, are moving over to these bare knuckle cards and they can make some money, you know, doing this bare knuckle fighting and it's exciting, you know, so good for the bare knuckle fighting. Um, you know, those guys are two big names that have really fought all over the world and, you know, bare knuckle fighting was able to sign them, make a pretty big fight. So good for them. Um, good for Gabriel Gonzaga knocking out Bigfoot Silva. All righty. Um, moving on. I want to just, kind of briefly talk about the fights this weekend. Uh, not really any huge cards. Um, I'd say the biggest is probably Rory McDonald taking on Douglas Lima. That's over in Bellator, but we'll run through the fights. Uh, Friday, you've got Bellator going down. Let's see where that's at. At the Mohegan Sun, that's in Connecticut, you've got Frank Mir taking on big country Roy Nelson. Um, fun fight at heavyweight. You know, two older guys that have fought in the UFC, fought all over. Uh, it will be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. These older guys in the in Bellator, I mean, they can hang around, you know, have a couple fun fights with some veterans with big names. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Phil Davis making a return. Phil Davis, talented fighter at light heavyweight for Bellator. Ed Ruth. Um, Ed Ruth. Another good fighter. He was in the welterweight tournament as well. He lost, so he gets a fight against Jason Jackson. Don't know a lot about him. Um, Jake Hager, that's the former WWF guy, making his third fight in Bellator. Um, be interesting to see how this goes. This is Jake Hager. I think if he can start putting a couple wins together, um, he's a big name. He's got a big following. Big guy, 6'7", 254. Um, huge wrestling background. He's taking on Anthony Garrett at heavyweight. Uh, that's pretty much it on that card. The, let me see. 
Oh, this lady, uh, Rebecca Brigman. I saw a tweet about this. Former adult porn star making her UFC, or sorry, Bellator debut against Elise Reed. Both 0-0 and 0. So keep an eye out for that. Alrighty. Um, Saturday's Bellator card. Much better card. Um, the anticipated Rory McDonald versus Douglas Lima rematch. This is for the million dollar welterweight world championship of the world in Bellator. Um, really been looking forward to this fight. These guys fought back in January of 2018. Um, yeah, great, great fight in their last go. Um, it was for the welterweight world championship. That was before they started this welterweight tournament. So, um, yeah, since then, um, you know, Rory moved up and fought for the middleweight championship. I was actually at that fight. That was in San Jose, I believe. And he got dominated by Gegard Mousasi, who got knocked out and, you know, in pretty vicious fashion. And then since then, they started the, Belter, the Bellator Welterweight World Grand Prix Million Dollar Tournament. He had a pretty hard fight with John Finch where it was a majority draw, so he moved on. Um, that was a fight where after he had that weird kind of interview where everyone thought he was getting ready to retire. You know, he said he was confused about fighting and his religion and his newfound faith and all of this. It was just kind of a weird moment. You know, it's not, it was, it was out of character for war kind of that Rory McDonald, you know, from the UFC that had the crazy wars with Robbie Lawler. And, you know, he's just been known as kind of this just kind of silent, savage, you know, just doesn't talk a lot of shit, but he's he's just an animal when he gets in the cage. And um, that was just kind of a weird moment. And then he rebounded from that with the fight against Neiman Gracie where he, you know, pretty much dominated Neiman Gracie. He, he was in danger a couple times, but he got the unanimous decision and sets up this huge, huge fight with Douglas Lima. Um, for Douglas Lima, you know, he lost that fight to Rory McDonald back in 2018 um, in a fight that he did a lot of damage to Rory. He, you know, he was beating, he was wearing Rory out pretty good. He did a lot of damage to his leg. Rory had that really, really nasty swelling on his leg. Um, but so since then, he won two fights in a row. He got a submission against Andre Korshakov um, back in September of 2018. And then he had that vicious knockout of Michael Venom Page um, in the second round of their fight back in May. So, yeah, both of these guys, you know, two of the best fighters in the world, probably pound for pound. You know, these guys are in the top 15 fighters in the world. Definitely a welterweight there to me, probably in the top five you know, UFC or Bellator. Um, so yeah, really, really looking forward to this fight. Douglas Lima is a guy that, you know, I think he's pretty much only fought in Bellator. He's been kind of, you know, one of, one of Bellator's guys that they've brought up, you know, from his early career. Um, but he's striking wise, he's a devastating striker. He's just a great fighter all around. Um, you know, Rory has, he's been in the game forever. He, he's got started fighting at a very young age. He had a lot of, 
a lot of heavy, 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 you know, back and forth battles in his early days in the UFC. And, you know, he was never able to become a champion in the UFC. But once he moved over to Bellator, you know, he became a champion. And he's still, you know, he's, he's taken a lot of damage, but he's still one of the best fighters in the world. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, you know, this is for the million dollar championship. I'm, if I have to make a pick, I'm going to roll with Rory. I think, you know, I think he's just, he's been tested. He's been, been to battle with Robbie Lawler twice in the UFC. He's fought Gegard Mousasi, who I think is probably one of the best fighters in the world. Um, you know, beaten Paul Daly, fought Wonderboy Thompson, one of the best strikers in the world. Um, he's got a win against Tyron Woodley, win against Damian Maya, beat BJ Penn, Jake Ellenberger. So, I mean, he's he's fought kind of the who's who, a win against Nate Diaz, you know, the who's who of the welterweight division. And I just think he's maybe a little better of all-around fighter than Douglas Lima. Not, you know, by a whole lot, but... I think it's going to be a great fight. I think this could go down as one of the best fights in Bellator history. I'm going to take Rory by decision, five-round decision. Um, all right, so really, really excited for that. That goes down Saturday. Um, also on that card, you got Paul Daly. Paul Daly's, you know, one of the most vicious knockout artists of all time. So, you know. I always look for some fireworks in a Paul Daly fight. He's he's just got heavy, heavy, heavy hands, and he can end the fight at any time. Um, also on that card, you got Nick Noel making his making his return. This will be his second fight, I believe, in Bellator. So look out for that. Um, also, we got Patrick Mix, who's eleven and zero, super talented, up and coming young fighter. Um, you know, so keep an eye on those two guys. Both of those guys back in action this week. Alrighty, next I want to dive into UFC Singapore. So UFC Singapore is going down early Saturday morning. I believe it starts 8 a.m. East Coast time. Uh, decent card, you know, for a Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Um, really, just want to talk about the Damian Maya versus Ben Askren fight, and then that's probably it. The rest of the card's pretty weak. Um, yeah, so for Ben Askren, obviously he got that vicious, viciously knocked out against George Masvidal. Um, really, only was it three months ago? So pretty quick return after a knockout like that, and you know it's a about as good of a matchup as he could get. You know, it's it's not someone that's going to come in there and and you know knock him out you know, with his hands, I, I think it's going to be more of kind of a grappling slash wrestling match, which is good for, you know, Ben Askren. It gives him a chance to get in there with someone that's, you know, Damian Maya's got a lot of wins in the UFC. I, I looked it up earlier. I think he's second in wins behind Cowboy Cerrone. So yeah, I mean, Damian Maya's got 21 wins in the UFC. He's been around forever. That's more wins than GSP, Michael Bisbing, Matt Hughes, uh, Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, Anderson Silva. So yeah, crazy list of people he's got more wins than. But, um, you know, Damian Maya's dangerous, obviously. He's got, 
huge background in grappling as well as you know jujitsu, and he's dangerous. He's got a lot of finishes, but Ben Askren, you know, I, I think is going to be someone that can fight off his submission attempts, and I think people are actually going to be surprised that. You know, Ben Askren's going to go after a lot of takedowns and try to get this fight to the ground and do what he does best. Control top position, rain down ground and pound. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how Damian Maya, you know, counters to that. What's he going to do off his back? Um, what submissions is he going to attempt? You know, and how's Askren going to hold up? It's This is just going to be interesting. This is going to be, to me, just you know, one of the most interesting kind of grappling versus submission matchups that we've seen in a long time. So um, I'll be tuning into that one. I, that'll probably be, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock Saturday morning. Um, early, I, I don't think there's going to be a finish here. Um, I think this will be a five-round decision, and I think Ben Askren will do enough to get the win against Damian Maya. Um, so I'm going to roll with Ben Askren. I think five-round decision over Damian Maya. So that's UFC Singapore. Um, like I said, not you know really any other notable fights to talk about. Um, okay, we got a lot, a lot of current events I want to dive into. So let's get rolling on those. So first up, former featherweight goat Jose Aldo making the move down to bantamweight. Um, posted earlier on this week on Instagram, I believe he was talking shit to Henry Cejudo about bending the knee. Uh, yeah, he posted a picture. I mean, he looks absolutely shredded. So, Jose Aldo moving down to bantamweight. That's really going to shake things up at bantamweight. So, he gets his first fight. It's going to be on the... UFC uh, December card, that stack card we've talked about the last couple weeks. He's going to be taking on Marlon Marias. Um, you know, tough test. Obviously, Marlon Marias, great fighter down at Bantamweight, but Jose Aldo is a freaking machine, and I'm going to be really, really interested to see what he does down there at Bantamweight. We'll look at the Bantamweight rankings real quick. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think with a win, you've got, you know, he can pop right in there and be a, a contender. So you got um, Marlon Marias was still number one contender, which doesn't make any sense. And then you've got Aljamain Sterling. I think Aljamain Sterling's probably going to be the next fight for Henry Cejudo at bantamweight. And then we had Corey Sanhagen who just had a really good fight, looked really good at number three. Peter Yawn at number four, which Peter Yawn just got booked to fight Uriah Faber on that same card. So, yeah, that's going to be um, pretty interesting to see what goes on on that card on the 14th of December. That'll kind of shake up the bantamweight division a little bit and get things moving. So, yeah, Jose Aldo making a move down to bantamweight to try to make a run for another title. Um, very interesting news. Um Next, we talked about the short notice fight for uh, Greg Hardy. Um, yeah, so basically, two week turnaround to take on Alexander Volkov, who's a top ten UFC heavyweight. So um, big, big chance there for Greg Hardy to make some noise if he can get a knockout. 
you know, or even a win against Volkov, I mean, that puts him in the top 10 in the heavyweight division. And then from there on, he's going to start getting some big fights. You know, we, we've talked about this before, but i love to see him matched up against Derek Lewis or Francis Ngannou. You know, some guys that are going to just stand there and bang with them. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to move the Greg Hardy train on, you know, very, very, very quickly. Um, Dustin Poirier. He announced earlier on this week that he was going to have surgery on a hip injury. I believe he got his rotator cuff um, fixed as well. So Dustin Poirier going to be out for about six weeks and then he said he's looking to get back to training and hopefully get a fight around February or March um yeah and then he was well we'll talk about the Nate Diaz thing in a little bit but um Poirier straight out of surgery talking shit to Nate Diaz calling him a cheater and telling him he's on steroids and all that so that was pretty funny um but yeah, Poirier will be back. It'll be interesting to see where he fits into the lightweight equation. Um, and if Tony Ferguson and Khabib get booked by then, what happens with Connor? You know, Connor says he's coming back in January. So um, that'll be good to have him back. He's also hinted at, you know, taking a boxing fight in the the new Zufa boxing organization. So um, that could be super interesting too, to see if, you know, Dustin Poirier is one of the first UFC people to cross over to the Zufa boxing era and, and get that rolling. So um, yeah, prayers to Poirier. Hopefully he has a quick return from that injury. Okay. Um, Conor McGregor back in the news last week. Um, all kinds of news. He, he has been kind of hinting at a return for the last couple months, but he's doing some weird press tour in Russia. I don't know why he's in Russia, but um, he had an interview basically saying that the UFC was holding him back. I believe this was October 23rd. Um, you know, there was talks of him making a comeback against Frankie Edgar and then that kind of stalled. And then he came out saying that he wanted to get on the December 14th card, that he's ready to fight, and the UFC was holding him back, and on and on, and that he was he was wanting to take on a charity boxing, charity boxing match um, at his old boxing gym in Dublin. Um, and then a couple days later, he goes on some Russian... I don't know if it was Russian TV or whatever, but it made the headlines. It was some Russian lady interviewing him, and he kind of laid out his game plan for his return. So he basically says he's going to fight January the 18th in Las Vegas. He's going to headline a card there. Uh, did not name the opponent, but speculated, you know, I, I think the, the top two in the running are going to be Justin Gaethje or Cowboy. Um, for me, I think the most winnable fight at the moment would be Cowboy. If those are the only two options, obviously Cowboy's coming off a two fight losing streak, um, to Tony Ferguson and then Justin Gaethje. Um, you know, I think Connor's going to play this one smart, smart. I don't think he's going to take a fight with Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje's just really hot right now. He's, 
he's a terrible matchup for Connor. He's going to just put a pace on Connor that I don't think Connor's going to be able to withstand. Connor would have to go in there and knock knock him out in the you know first or second round to get out of there without taking an incredible amount of damage. And I think that would just be a you know that's a career ender if you come back in a fight with Justin Gaethje and he just beats you up for three rounds and then knocks you out. Um, I don't I don't think there's much coming back for that. So like we talked about last week, you know the smartest fight would be a fight with Frankie. You know, at 155, you got Frankie who had just moved down to 135, and then he's going to move back up two weight classes. Um, you know, that seems like a very winnable fight for Connor. You know, the second best one is Cowboy. You know, Cowboy's a guy, he's one of my favorite fighters. He fights, you know, anytime, anywhere. He's, he's just a bad, bad, bad dude. But it's been, you know, kind of the story of Cowboy's career that, he doesn't win these big fights. He doesn't, you know, break into the top two, three, four guys when he gets these opportunities. So I think that's a very winnable fight for Connor. You know, I think Cowboy would oblige a striking match with Connor. You know, I think he'll take a stand up battle with Connor. I think Connor still, even though he's been out of the game for a while, he's still a superior striker. You know, he's a better striker than Cowboy. And I think. He could come back there against either Cowboy or Frankie Edgar and get a big knockout win, and then Connor's right back in the pitcher, right where he wants to be. And I think that's that's kind of his game plan. I, I don't think he's going to take that Justin Gaethje fight. I think it's just too dangerous, and Justin Gaethje is, just presents too many issues for Connor. Um, so January 18th, I would expect to either see Cowboy Cerrone or Frankie Edgar. Um, then after that... He wants the winner of the Bad Motherfucker belt, which we'll talk about shortly. That's kind of up in the air at the moment. Um, Jorge Masvidal taking on Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz popped for a small trace substance of, we don't know what it is yet, but um, he came out basically and said that he's off the card, that he's not going to put up with the bullshit from USADA. And we'll dive into that in a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, that's... if. If all goes well and Nate's able to fight next weekend, he gets the win against Jorge Masvidal. Him versus Conor McGregor 3 is a huge fight. I think that's going to be probably one of the biggest fights in UFC history, especially if Conor can create some momentum and some steam you know, by getting a huge knockout on January the 18th. Um, so that's the second fight that Conor laid out, the winner of the Bad Motherfucker belt. And then the third fight he laid out, he wants the winner of Khabib versus Ferguson. Um, for me, I, they need to book this fight. I don't know why it's taking so long to, to book Ferguson versus Khabib. I think behind closed doors, it's already the deal's already done. I just don't think they've announced it yet. Um, there was a lot of back and forth between Khabib's camp and Ferguson's camp. You know about a month or so ago and then everything kind of went silent so that tells me that a deal's been done and that they're just keeping it kind of under wraps for now um so that fight to me needs to get done i'm hoping that gets done you know sometime early 2020 and that'll really start speeding everything up you know once once we see who comes out on top there um but that's what mcgregor laid out as as his three fights basically a comeback fight on the 18th, which, you know, for 
lack of a better term, could be his tune-up fight. I, I don't think he's going to take the Justin Gaethje fight. That's just too hard of a fight to come back to after all this time off. Um, so if that all comes together, um, man, I think that could be, you know, the last two fights could be two of the biggest fights in UFC history, pay-per-view-wise, and they're going to do huge money. The build-up to him, Nate Diaz 3, and then the build-up to him versus Khabib, the rematch, um, man, that's going to be crazy craziness. So, for me, it's it's very good to have Connor back. You know, he's gone through a lot of just bullshit, you know, just stupid shit, being in, in the news for all the wrong reasons. He's got, you know, two sexual assault cases that are going on in Ireland. Obviously, he had the incident punching the old man. He's had a, you know couple other smaller incidents but he just needs to get back to fighting if he can get back to fighting get a win get his head on straight you know I still think he's one of the best fighters in the world and obviously one of the best biggest superstars ever so it's going to be really really good for everyone in the fight world to have Connor back it shakes everything up um, and you know hopefully he can get a huge win on January the 18th uh, you know I, I don't <laughs> I'm not going to love to see him knock out Cowboy, but if that's what it takes to get the buzz going again and and build these huge, huge, super mega fights, um, then so be it, and I'll be looking forward to it. So, Conor McGregor set to make his return January the 18th in Las Vegas. Alrighty, next, John Jones takes to Twitter. Um, so, following the Dominic Reyes fight, John Jones hits to Twitter. And releases a string of tweets. He says, really not sure when I'll be fighting next. Feel like I have nothing to gain by beating Dominic. I've actually felt that way about my last two opponents. I want a super fight. Where did all the big names in the light heavyweight division go? And then when asked about the Francis Ngannou fight, he said, I feel like that fight is inevitable. So, yeah, kind of like I was saying earlier, you know, I, I don't. I don't think any of these guys are ready for John Jones at light heavyweight right now. Um, I, I think it's time for him to move up to heavyweight, take a couple super fights. We talked about last week. I'd like to see him go up and, you know, take a fight against Francis Ngannou, and then the winner of that fight, fight for the heavyweight world championship against the winner of DC versus Stipe. Um, that's what I would like to see for John Jones. So that's probably, you know, the next six to 10 months. I think all that could start to unfold. And then in that time, you let the light heavyweight division play out. You let, you know, Dominic Reyes fight Johnny Walker. If Corey Anderson wins, Corey Anderson, you know, Jan Blahovich, all those guys, you let them kind of sort out who's going to rise to the top. Who's going to be that clear cut. Number one um, contender for John Jones. Cause right now I, I just, don't think there is one there. All those guys are pretty equal right now. We'll run through the list. Let me look at the rankings for the light heavyweights. Um, so we've got John Jones at one DC at two, which doesn't make sense. He's got one more fight and it's going to be at heavyweight UFC rankings. Please do better. Uh, Anthony Smith at three. It'll be interesting to see what he does in the comeback, who he's going to fight. 
like I said earlier, I'd like to see Anthony Smith versus Dominic Reyes. I think that's a great fight. Um, you know, Alexander Gustafson talked about coming back. I don't know if that's going to be a light heavyweight or heavyweight, but that would be super interesting to see him thrown back into the mix. Um, Jan Blahovich obviously had that devastating knockout against Luke Rockholt, so he's right there. Then you've got Corey Anderson, Johnny Walker. Those guys are fighting next week. Um, Alexander Rakic, who's looked really, really good. So I, I think light heavyweight just needs some time to kind of play out and let one of these guys rise to the top and then have John come back. And, you know, by that time he could have a crack at being a, a double weight champion. Um, I think it's very realistic that John Jones goes up to heavyweight, gets past Francis Ngannou. I think he's just better all around. I think he's smart. He's not going to get hit by those big bombs. And then, you know, the trilogy fight with DC would be gigantic. And John Jones versus Stipe would be an incredible fight as well. So I think that's the route for John Jones. And, you know, give it a year or so, let light heavyweight play out. And then come back and defend his title. So, um, yeah, not shocking, John Jones what he's saying on Twitter. Um, Paige Van Zant made some noise this week. She kind of responded to all the shit talking from um, Macy Barber. Um, she said basically she's willing to take on anyone at 125 or 115 besides Macy Barber. Um, you know, I, I think that's <clears throat> the only fight people want to see right now because Macy Barber's looks so good. And she's talked so much shit. You know, I, I think that's a big fight in the... Whether they do it at 115 or 125, whatever. But, um, yeah. So, I, I'm hoping they can sort all that out and make that fight. I think that would be very, very interesting fight. I think that would do a lot of numbers. Like I said the other day, I think that could headline a fight night card. Um so yeah, these girls keep going back and forth, but um, I would like to see them fight. I think Paige said she's ready to fight. Macy Barber, you know, took zero damage in her last fight. So book that fight, UFC. That would be an awesome fight. Um, in other news, <laughs> saw a highlight of Khabib swimming in a river. Uh, that's pretty intense. That's like some shit that uh, Tony Ferguson would do. So. <laughs> he's tr swimming upstream in a cold river in Dagestan. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, so Khabib, hopefully he's getting ready to defend his title, hopefully against Tony Ferguson, and hopefully very soon. Um, in other news, oh, this was a crazy story. Um, so Randy Couture, former light heavyweight champion, I believe, um, suffered a major heart attack during a workout at Jay Glazer's gym in LA. Um, apparently he started to suffer a heart attack, stopped his workout, went over to the foam roller, tried to foam roll out a heart attack that was unsuccessful. So he finished his workout and then walked himself to the hospital. Uh, so bad motherfucker award goes to Randy Couture. Um, that is a crazy story, but it shows you how, how tough Randy Couture is. Um, so it 
looks like he's out of the ICU and expected to make a full recovery. So yeah, prayers to Randy Couture, one of the toughest, you know, fighters ever. Um, so that was a pretty crazy story. Next, um, I want to dive into the Nate Diaz situation. It's, it's just kind of a weird, weird situation that came down. Um, so Nate Diaz took to either Twitter or Instagram, I believe it was on October the 24th. So yesterday, and here's what he had to say. Let me pull this sucker up. Okay. I'm not going to make it out to NYC for fight week next week because they said I tested with elevated levels that say might be from some tainted supplements. I call false on that because I only take whole food or natural food supplements. I don't even eat meat. So until the UFC, USADA, or whoever is fucking with me fixes it, I won't be competing. I'm not going to play their games and try to hide it or keep it quiet as they suggested. I'm not going to have my name tainted as a cheater like these other motherfuckers who who keep quiet until after the fight so they can get paid. Fucking cheaters. I don't give a fuck about some money over my my dignity and my legacy. I'm not playing along with this bullshit. I'm not going to stay quiet and figure it out after the fight. That's cheating. So, fight game, I'll see you when I see you. Sincerely, the realest, baddest motherfucker in the game. So, there's a lot, a lot that goes on, or that goes with that. I mean, um, I I think it's still unclear. This is, what, more than 24 hours after this post, and there's still really no answers. Um, I saw Ariel Hawani was on ESPN, I believe, and he says, to his knowledge, the fight is still on. Nate Diaz is not suspended. Um, he's not pulled from the card. So, in his mind, the fight is still on. Um, the UFC, USADA, no one has came out and made an actual comment on this. So, it's all it's all just weird right now, and everything's kind of lingering in the air and no one really knows what the hell's going on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird deal. I was really looking forward to this fight. I hope they keep it all together. Um, Jorge Masvidal chimed in. He goes, you are not the baddest mofo in the game. I am, but you are one of the cleanest mofos, Nate Diaz. I will see you November 2nd. I know your name is clean. I don't need USADA doping to tell me shit. And I think that's kind of the tone everyone's had. I think everyone knows that Nate Diaz and his brother Nick are both, you know, some of the cleanest athletes in the sport. They've never once been suspected of, you know, steroids or EPO or anything. Um, Both of them are super, super healthy you know, I, I think they're both vegans. I know Nate's a vegan. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just a weird, weird, weird thing how... I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of how USADA works, but they've done similar shit with, you know, John Jones and Sean O'Malley and Tom Lawler and who else? Um, a lot, I mean, a lot of guys. It's just... 
I know steroids are bad in fighting and they can kill people, but you know, fighting is dangerous in general, whether you're on steroids or not. Um, I, I, I think USADA just causes way, way more trouble than they're worth. Um, you know, if they blow this card, I mean, this is going to cost the UFC a shit ton of money. This is going to be a huge pay-per-view to end out the year. And if Nate Diaz is pulled from the card, I mean, who's going to replace him? Conor McGregor on one week's notice? No, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, Leon Edwards, they talked about him. That's not going to happen. I, I think he was getting ready for... Um, he's going to be the alternative for the December fight with Usman and Covington. Then you have Usman saying he's going to step in. He's not going to step in against George Masvidal on 10 days notice. Let's be fucking real. So it's just kind of a shit show right now. Um, you know, the bad motherfucker belt is kind of covered with a lot of uncertainty right now. No one really knows what's going on. I haven't heard anyone really weigh in on what's going on. So, um, Hopefully they work this shit out and it all blows over because that is a fight. That I mean that that's fight of the year written all over it. I've been pumped for this fight for the last you know three or four months. So hopefully there this was a fluke or something was fucked up because these two guys need to fight. So yeah, that sucks. That really sucks. Um, couple other items. Breaking news before we get out of here. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Two big fights added to the UFC uh, December 14th card in Las Vegas. Marlon Marias taking on featherweight goat Jose Aldo. That's going to be a giant fight. And then the California Kid gets a, another fight. He had that awesome knockout against Ricky Simone a couple months ago. And he is back at it against Peter Yawn, who is the number fourth ranked contender at Bantamweight. So two huge fights at Bantamweight on that card. Um, that's going to shake up the Bantamweight division. I think it's going to force Henry Cejudo to get back to fighting. So a lot going on in the UFC world. A lot, a lot going on. Um, I'll be back next week. To recap the fights this weekend, like I said, we got Bellator going. Bellator's got two cards, Friday and Saturday. I'm really, really looking forward to the Roy McDonald-Douglas Lima fight. And then the return of uh, Ben Askren. Ben Askren, I think if he can get in here and make, get a win, um, he'll start making some noise again in that welterweight division. So that'll be very interesting. And then, of course, next week, we've got the bad motherfucker belt, assuming it stays on the fucking table um i'm gonna be very very frustrated if if that fight gets pulled but let's look let's just recap that card as it stands right now um your main event welterweight bad motherfucker belt uh inaugural fight george masvidal game bread taking on nate diaz that one's gonna be a fight for the ages they need to keep it together quit fucking around usada quit fucking around Next, we got uh, Kelvin Gastelum coming off that war with Israel Adesanya taking on Darren Till, who's on a two-fight losing streak, moving up to middleweight. Um, huge fight for both of these guys. Then we've got 
Steven Wonderboy Thompson taking on Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque is the guy that rearranged Mike Perry's face. Uh, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, perennial great at welterweight. Um, Black Beast making his return off of knee surgery. This is going to be a huge, huge return for him. Uh, taking on Blagoy Ivanov, who's been on a nice run at heavyweight. So, uh, great fight there at heavyweight. And then you've got big fight at lightweight. Kevin Lee moving back down to lightweight to take on Gregor Gillespie. Gregor Gillespie is has just been on a tear in the UFC. Um, he's a very, very scary guy. They... You know, a lot of people are thinking if Khabib hangs around, he could be Khabib's kryptonite. So that's a very interesting fight, and really, it's it's kind of a must-win for uh, Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's been on a skid lately, and um, he really needs to get a win. Um, also on this card, we got Corey Anderson, fellow bow hunter. Shout out to Corey Anderson taking on Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker is a human highlight reel. Very, very entertaining guy. Corey Anderson, phenomenal wrestler. Great all-around fighter. Um, so that'll be a very interesting fight. Then we've got Edmund Shabazian. Um, 10-0. Very, very um, highly sought after rising star in the UFC. Um, very talented fighter. really like watching him fight. Taking on Brad Tavares at middleweight. Brad Tavares, always a tough test at middleweight, so that'll be a, a good test for Edmund there. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, Andre Orlowski on the card. Andre Orlowski, um, taking on a guy I can't pronounce his last name, but veteran on the early prelims. Never thought I would see Andre Orlowski on the early prelims. But uh, anyways, yeah, lots going on in the MMA world. Stay tuned. I'll try to keep you up to date at least once a week. Next week, I'll be back to break down this weekend's fights, give you a little overview of the main fights, and then we are going to preview and make some picks for the Bad Motherfucker card. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Signing off, Episode 10, Parker Keene's MMA Show. Thank you. (laughs) 